Welcome to the REI Mastermind Network, where host Jack Haas gathers amazing stories from leaders in real estate investing. In each episode, our guests will tell you what they're doing that works, what they've tried that failed, and best of all, you'll learn actionable steps to take your real estate investing to the next level. Now, here's Jack with another value-packed episode. Daniel Dorfman joins me here today, and he is with InvestorDrinks.com. You're going to have to go to their website because this is a very unique business that I've, I haven't run into yet. And I mentioned Daniel that this might be, the, be a first, but what Daniel and his team have developed is a way to not only return and find some ROI for their investors, but also incentivize the residents that uh, rent from them directly. And it, we're going to dive into this, and it's an interesting concept. So I really appreciate your time here, Daniel. Wonderful. Thanks, Jack. And yeah, I'm excited to dive in and go through the model and just chat with you for a little bit. So it'll be fun. One of the things that struck me right off the bat, and you can elaborate on this a little bit, but when we are dealing with rental properties, one of the things that is a the big headache is the residents and they them not taking actual ownership of the property and they just beat it to heck. Is that one of the incentives behind this model that you found? What what caused you to go down this road? Yeah, good question. Basically, Roots was developed for really two reasons. One was to make sure anybody had access to a very solid great returning real estate fund that they could access for as little as a hundred dollars. And then the other portion was to try to figure out and craft a model that was a win in that the resident who lives in the homes that you purchase and that you're invested in, at the end of the day, that is the person who determines your cash flow. Your property's appreciation and all that is determined by the location. But for an investor, Cash is king and cash flow is really important. And what we saw year after year before going into this model was that people would move in and no shame on them, but they move into the home, they put $1,200 down and are having about a 50-50 expectation on whether they're going to get that back or not from day one. The moment that they spill on the carpet in your place at a $1,200 deposit, in their mind, it's gone. And from that moment on, I hate to say it this way, but they're cleaning with house money, right? The reality is they're not going to care for the property as much. And what we wanted to do was say, hey, Jack, you moved in with us. First off, the coolest piece is, Jack, we don't take security deposits here. Your deposit or your traditional deposit is actually invested directly into the fund from day one. So from day one, Jack, you're going to have a percent ownership stake of this building and of our whole portfolio. So how cool is that? And then two, through our Living It Like You Own It program, you're going to get the, the ability to earn a rental rebate each quarter that you take care of the property, you pay rent on time, and you be a good neighbor. And through this model, what we've created is a partner and not a tenant. And so far, it's been mind-blowing. It's been night and day going from looking at our other portfolios and our other properties that we own and invest into versus the quality of the asset and the quality of paying on time or the, the amount of times that it's paid on time. It's crazy. It's been 
very unique. And of course, we've got learning curves and there's always people who don't want to be involved in the program, but this has been built to incentivize the ones that do. And there's a lot that do. So how do you measure some of this? You mentioned like being a good neighbor, for example. How do you measure some of that in regards to the these incent- this incentive? Well, that's one that's what I'll say is there's two parameters that are just like you that are definitely measurable, which is no late rent. And once a quarter, we ask them to do a video of the inside and outside of their unit. So those two pieces completely measurable. What we mean by good neighbor is a lot of our units are small multifamily and you're going to have some neighbor in count, you know, no police activity, that kind of thing. But it's not something we're monitoring from a standpoint of like you, if we haven't heard anything, you've been a good neighbor is our stance. So you have them video the inside of their apartment. What did you say once a month? Once a quarter. Once a quarter. Do you, do you have them upload it to a shared platform of some kind then? We do, yes. So we have them upload it. And really, the purpose of that video is twofold. One, as you guys know, and anybody listening who owns property knows, a lot of times you move somebody in and then you don't get eyes on that asset or inside that asset for three years or two years, right? And it's at the turn that you walk in and you're walking through and there's blue stuff all over the ceiling. And you're like, hey did you see all this? And they're like, yeah, it wasn't bothering me and I don't want to bother you. And the reason they don't bring it up is because they think they're going to get blamed for it, one. And then they have, there's this whole thing versus letting it go to the end. And then you, oh yeah, just take my deposit. You're taking it anyway. Mm -hmm. And so the purpose of this is walking through, you see a small water spot. Great. Hey, I noticed this. We'll come check it out. That's a hundred dollar leak that turns into a $2,000 problem later, right? And so that's the first purpose is like preventative maintenance almost. And the second pur- purpose is we believe in this resident and we believe that they're going to one day have the opportunity, hopefully, to go buy their own place. And hey, how about some like ownership training almost, right? Like you're understanding what to look for. You're seeing like, oh, the gutter's a little over full. Like this is what you would do. And that's part of it is we want to as we want to make a biggest impact as we can on that resident as well from that standpoint it works well. so the person moves into the apartment they're a part of this fund through their deposit Do you, have you found that they stick around a lot longer than a normal resident as well then yeah right now of the residents that we had move in we're seeing about a 97 percent renewal rate which is big right and i will be the first to say we're we're 18 months into this model where we're able to exercise and execute on this took a lot of time to understand and craft and create and see what we need this to do. So is that a ton of time? No, but those are the numbers that we have so far. And the people that have left, the turnover cost has been significantly lower. We are looking at a $750 turn right now, which is unheard of in the, like this single family asset space. So. So you're primarily investing in single family houses? Within that five units and below at this point, we do have an eight unit and we're not against looking at the multifamily space as we grow, but we are very familiar with the single family, small multifamily asset and we like it a lot. Okay. So what would somebody expect? Like you say, they have their deposit with you. What is a resident other than this little bit of ownership into the building? What are they getting in return? Yeah, that kind of flips it over into like 
just our investors overall. We are a privately held Reg A REIT, and which means that anybody non-accredited and accredited can invest in it. And the second that the uh, resident invests via their deposit into the fund, they are treated and become investors just like you would if you were to enter the fund. And so expectations, we always shy away from future telling, but in the 18 months that we've been around, our funds up around 24% when you combine the distributions and the appreciation. In the last 12, we're up 16. That's a parameter of where we've been historically and where we feel like we can consistently hit for our investors. So when you rolled out this program, what have been some of the most significant changes you had to adopt as you were trying to figure it out? The video submission and kind of usability of that video is big. The other part, part that I'll say that probably is a, is a strange one to communicate, but it's the, the tenant-landlord relationship as it is today is not always the best. And in a lot of cases, when people are moving in, they haven't had a great situation. I actually don't really know anybody who I've ever talked to who doesn't have a bad landlord story to tell. It's just part of the way the relationship's always been. And so I think one of the biggest hurdles that we have to cross when deploying this type of program is skepticism and the idea of, look, I, I'm not, this is, you're too good to be true or whatnot, I mean, whatever that is, but like earning the trust of a resident to really show them that we're partners in this building has been a stepping stone. And we've kind of learned to how to, on how to communicate that with them and to talk to them about what it means and stuff like that. With the video thing is I'm probably going to adopt that myself. Sure. One of the things that as for property management, you try to do a regular inspection, but I'm already showing units remotely without having to meet people there. It would make sense. I, I guess I'd, I'm surprised I haven't thought of doing that piece remotely as well. Everybody's yeah. got a phone these days. That's, that's probably low hanging fruit. Yeah. When you want to do it, let me know. We can talk through some implementation. <laughs> no, that's interesting. Yeah. You said, how many units are you doing here now over the past 18 months? This is. Yeah. So we have 104 units on the program and yeah, we are in a buying period right now, but I, we're getting a pretty good investment. Last week, actually, we the Roots Fund passed the 10 million mark, which is great. And uh, we're excited about that and excited about going to find the next 10 million. Okay. And where is your primary markets? We're strictly in Atlanta for right now. That's where we live and operate. And so we really wanted to figure out this market, figure out what this model meant and how to deploy it. And we've been building our own software and stuff like that as well. And I would say we're going to be here for the foreseeable future unless we see an opportunity in another market that is you know, too good to pass up in which we'll expand. But we like Atlanta. Yeah, no, that's especially good. As I see, you see a lot of companies, even solopreneurs who are, are trying to make a go of any kind of real estate investing. And I've been one of those people singing in the chorus that you need to focus and, and perfect that one stream of income before you start to expand into other markets or other avenues. So that's good and encouraging, especially at 18 months. That's, $10 million, 18 months, that's some extraordinary growth. How have you been coming about growing so quickly? Yeah, really 
So our my background is in real estate investing. We did a lot. We have a residential realty agency team here in Atlanta as well. And so prior to starting the fund, I was doing a lot of syndicated deals through partners in New York, LA, and in different areas coming to Atlanta. And so that gave us a leg up in terms of going out to find our first few investors or whatnot. But really, I, I have to give credit to the model, right? It's the investors that we have coming in understand and love the fact that, wow, okay, yeah, I'll, if I can make 16% and above or whatnot and help a resident who is renting and let's be real, that residence, if you're in a place for $1,200, your opportunity to go from renting to owning is pretty tough. It is tough and it is getting tougher. And so a lot of our investors have just loved the idea that, yeah, we make a return, but we make an impact and we are hopefully helping someone who didn't have that opportunity invest in a home. And so that's been the catalyst for us. We have talked to investors who said, I don't, that, that sounds too much like a charity opportunity or I don't mix my charity with my profits or stuff like that. But to me, our investors have come and they've referred a lot of people via word of mouth because of the model. And those are the investors we want to see, right? We want to build a community that is galvanized around making great returns and great impact. Just to remind everybody, head over to investwithroots.com. And I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes. But if this is intriguing to, to you, I'm going to ask for a quick favor. Share this episode with one of your investing friends. And this is really an interesting model that I think Daniel, if they go to investwithroots.com and they reach out to your team, what type of could they what type of information can they find there? Yes, the landing page Invest with Roots is going to give you the highlights. It's going to give you our investments. It'll give you the kind of frequently asked questions. But if you hit that little chat button in the right hand corner, I'll be honest, about six times out of ten, you're going to get me. And then the <laughs> other times you're going to get another individual and you're probably going to get circulated to a point where we want to meet with you. We're big on long communication. We're big on quick 15-minute meetings. And although you could go to our site and invest end-to-end just from there, I encourage people to take the second, let's meet for 15 minutes, let's chat about questions, and let's get to know each other a little bit more than just going in online and submitting your investment, which we love too. But mm-hmm. So it, it sounds like, would it be fair to say, you've been in, in real estate investing for quite a bit quite long. I, I, I think I, I went to your LinkedIn profile. I saw you were, it was like six and a half years, so probably we, longer than that. Yeah. So I started investing in the Atlanta area in 2009. And that's when I bought my first property, me and my wife did. And from that point on, we had saw real estate as our, I'm not going to say retirement plan, but our passive income plan uh, for the future. And we both believed in it. And so literally every Every dime we would save up, we'd go to buying another property. And so in 2017, we decided to take that path a step further, which was let's, we like this. We love real estate. We don't, we like what we're doing as a career, but we didn't love it. And we decided to build a team together and it's worked out great. So, yeah, that's neat. So your wife is actively involved in this as well? 
So she is, she actually is more actively involved in our residential team. She runs our entire like retail side residential team. How has it been working with your better half? I love it. Obviously there, it's a lot of time together, which is great and can be a little bit, I'm sure irritating for her more than me, but the beautiful thing that I love about it is our bad days are both of our bad days and our great days are our great days. And you don't have to play the coin of, oh, hey, how was your day, honey? George at the water cooler made me mad or something like that. You can, everybody's in, we're embedded. There's true buy-in on every conversation. Any tips for those that are considering starting a business with their spouse? Be open to the idea that work doesn't have to be work because I think when you, and it's, I don't know how to explain this. I've never been asked that question, but I think what happens a lot of times is people like to say like, all right, dinner table, shut it down. Don't talk about work. And that's not going to happen in an entrepreneurial or startup mindset. And so I think embrace the thought that work isn't work and life isn't life. It's all one melded in thing and it could be fun regardless. So don't try to, don't try to silo them is what I would say. Yeah. I always, I always struggle with that concept of that work-life balance that I keep hearing everybody talk about. And I think what you're describing is actually the balance is that it just melds together. And if you enjoy what you're doing, I guess it doesn't feel as much as work. Yeah, I think that's the thing, right? You got to, it's all how you look at it. And I try to look at it like it's just, it's, it's all life balance. And I just happen to do some transactions and work throughout it. So going back to your original investing strategy, it sounded like you were doing it yourself with your wife. You're buying single family homes. Has the new model outperformed the old? Yes. Yeah, I, I'd say that with a heavy heart because I spent a lot more time on that old model. And I spent, gosh, you've put a lot of resources, a lot of time and a lot of energy and money into your rental properties, especially when you're on a small scale like we are. You, it's every, it feels every other week, month you have a cash drain, right? Something goes wrong, some roof, some air conditioner, whatever it might be. And I love it from a standpoint of, one day I'm going to be able to re refinance those assets, get the capital out and go play again. But it is, it's a grind in that model. And this has been, been fun, right? It's been fun to see it grow and see the numbers from a cash flow and from an app, see it take place in a better way. So, you know, you mentioned your FAQ. What is the most viewed question on there? Or what was, what's your top one that people typically ask you? How long am I locked in? Sure. When can I get my money out is usually the top question. And for our fund, that answer is uh, quarterly. So we have a quarterly redemption period. And another unique aspect of our fund is there are no exit fees after the first year. So there's no, and there's no entry carry fees or anything like that. We tried to build it to be as low barrier of entry as possible for everyone to be able to participate. So did you have to go reggae? Simply because you are doing those deposits because they're going to be relatively smaller amounts. Yes. So we did. A funny story. One of our partners originally, there was a, a bit of a, a disagreement in terms of what it would t- like of doing that because it, it's reggae serious. It takes a ton of work. It takes audits. It takes um, time. And for us, like when we were building it, there's there wasn't a, another there was reality because we knew we wanted to give the resident 
ability to invest in the property and you just can't do it any other way. So what was the disagreement there? Just that other, our partner did not think it was worth it. Oh, sure. Has he come around or did he part ways? We had to part ways. Still great friends, just different mindset in terms of that application or of that process. So it it sounds like you have a number of partners involved outside of your wife. Yeah. The Roots team is uh, 10 people full time and two of them. So there's three co-founders and seven other folks that have joined the mission with us and probably soon to be 11 within the next month or so. Okay. So with that, what type of things did you tackle to make sure it, it was a strong partnership? Really just understanding core values and vision. We spent a lot of time going through and creating a core values card and understanding what we thought it meant from a person and a partner standpoint to want to be here and want to be a part of our group. And I think after we laid that out and after we really started to focus in on what the mission is, that's when we've been able to attract some really amazing partners to come join us much brighter and more experienced than us, which is great. No, you're good. So you've mentioned the word mission a couple of times and I can, is there a, a certain aspect of this that when you say it the way you are putting it into context, it, it almost sounds a level of philanthropy or something. Why, you keep yeah. using the word mission. I'm just wondering if there is some aspect to that. No, it's more surrounding the idea that like it, where this all came to be is because when we were doing our own investing and we're helping hundreds of people a year buy and sell homes, you watch, right? And you watch as the ability from going, like I said, from renting to owning is becoming significantly harder. And then you watch something else that's happening, which is not, I'm not going to say more disturbing because I I want that first home ownership is important, but going from owning your first place to owning your second the barriers of having 20% down, the barriers of having to be able to support that income on your income, it, it starts to really move that percentage up. And so what we're watching over the last, and I'm sure it's been going a lot since I've been watching over the last 10 years, is this moat begin to really shrink the ability to for the regular person to invest in real estate and for the regular person to own real estate. And so if we get to a point where the top 10% of our country own 45, 50% of our land, I think we're in trouble, right? I don't think that's the right spot to be in. And the thing that's crazy about that to me is you don't talk, if you speak to anybody about real estate, there's not someone, there's not one person who's going to sit, who doesn't believe it's probably one of the best vehicles to grow your long-term wealth. And we're starting to shut people out. And it's, and that's what I say by mission is our mission is to make that accessible for anybody. And our mission is to help a million people honestly build wealth through real estate. So with that, what are your short-term goals? What are you, what are you trying to accomplish now for Roots by the end of the year? Yeah, right now we are in the process. We just launched, first of the year, we launched our own platform for investing in real estate. And our goal for the end of the year is to have 12,000 people on that platform investing through our fund. 
I will tell you, we are a long cry away from that right now, but we look to put some marketing dollars behind us and really start to expand on it. What's your long-term goal? You mentioned helping a million people grow their wealth through real estate over the next five years. That's pretty ambitious. It is. Yeah. So going from 12,000 to five for, to a million? Yeah. So we track the, we track that growth based off of maybe it's a different comparison, but we are tracking off of the Robin Hood and Acorn numbers, which we're able to scale into the 20 million range within three to five years. And that's not necessarily our growth goal, but we do feel like it's attainable and achievable to start off with that first a million in the first five years. Well, Daniel, this has been a very interesting conversation. I think we could, could keep going, but I'm going to remind everybody, investwithroots.com. I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes. And I ask you again to share this episode out with some of your friends. But we're going to wrap some things up with some rapid fire questions if you're ready for them. Perfect. Fire away. What is a real estate investing myth you'd like to bust here today? Kind of mentioned it earlier, but the myth that it's all about location, I'd turn that and say it's really about people who create your profits. What book would you recommend or what are you reading right now? Books that I would recommend. We're actually, re I'm reading, we read a lot as a team and the book of the quarter is called Buddha and the Badass. Definitely worth checking out if you're in the like startup mindset or wanting to learn a little bit about how to deploy some culture into your team and into your company or into your life. Really cool concept, worth looking up and worth reading. Ba badass. Yeah. Check that out. What is your biggest business mistake you've made and what did you learn from it? Once upon a time before the real estate team, I actually was involved in another startup. We, what I think I would say is my biggest regret or my biggest learning is don't build like a product before you have the need and the like the in consumer, the customer in hand, meaning go test your models Bring it out on a small scale. Do it as quickly as you possibly can and see what the people who are consuming your product actually want. Don't build inside your vacuum in this like mystery world by yourself. Take it out, get some feedback and build based on results and feedback versus what you think it should be. Yeah, I think it's it. that's very good advice because I, I think I've run into quite a few people that they live and work within their little vacuum, like you said. Because maybe they're afraid that their idea is going to be stolen or, or what have you. But more times than not, you're way better off getting that direct feedback. Yeah, you got to learn. And I think for us, that was going, buying our first properties and talking to the residents, right? Like, all right, we have an idea that they might want to participate. Did they? Yeah, they actually did. So that's good. We can build it. If you could go back into time and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that be? I would say that I would have started, I've taken up journaling over the last two years and it's fundamentally changed the way I structure my day and structure my time. And I would say younger Daniel, start journaling and writing your thoughts down daily. That That's actually one of, I, I don't get that answer very often, but that's an inter that's really an interesting one. I don't think we spend en enough time reflecting on things. Yeah, I have this little process in the morning of writing everything I need to do for the day, plus just a thought, right? What I do yesterday, spend some time with the family, 
that kind of thing. And I think what it helps you do is not just move on so quickly, but reflect on what you did yesterday and write it down so that a week from today, you can go back and see what that impactful moment was that you had because you had one. You just don't remember it if you didn't look at it. Right. Okay. Here's, I'm going to time you on this one. You got exactly 60 seconds. You're going to give everybody one piece of advice or something they can implement in their business today. What is that one thing? Yeah. I can't even stress this enough. The Traction book by Gino Wickman. It's the Entrepreneur Operating System. Go out and get what, is, what the heck is EOS. It's about 100 pages. We live religiously off of that in this organization. And I can tell you that it has driven us to that 10 million mark. It has driven us to be able to be as, I'm not going to say successful because I don't think we're really successful yet, but it's driven us to hit the milestones that we've hit so far. And I can't thank that author enough. Yeah, that's a, that is a great book. Daniel, is there a question or concept you wished we would have covered here today? No, Jack, I think we actually covered everything. Great job. I appreciate it. I appreciate your time. Again, it is investwithroots.com. Go check it out and uh, really appreciate it, Daniel. I hope you'll come back again sometime. I will. It's you have me. You bet. Have you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing? If so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.